Well, we've certainly had a wonderful time up here this weekend, uh, and just uh, grateful that, uh, for the opportunity and, uh, to be here with you and to share. did the couples conference, and uh, now this morning. It's great to be here, and it's, uh, it's wonderful to be in a fellowship where you, you just, we sensed it through the weekend. With, you know, when there, you, a lot of times the world's in great turmoil, as everybody knows, and one of the most wonderful things that, that there is you can deprive within our life is when we have the opportunity to be together with the body of Christ, with all the turmoil going out there to be able to come in and sit down, and where you're shepherded you know, well by somebody feeding the flock, the body is happy, there's great worship, great unity in a world that's in great confusion. And it's something we should, you know, really hold dear to us as well. Also, the Bible tells us that forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And, and even all the more so when you see the day approaching as the, as the world gets more and more, you know, chaotic, the need the, the, to be together and to be encouraged in a, in a discouraging world to find that encouragement we have in him. So it's, it's great to be here with you. And, uh, in my wife's book, I kid her about that because uh, she, uh, it's uh, actually done real well, but it's one of those things that's, uh, I think it's a great book, <laughs> obviously, but the, uh, and I tell everybody, ask me, you know, I, I said, it's really my book. It's, it's not her book. It's got her name on it, but I tell her, it's really my book that uh, she's always loved the Lord. But uh, I, when we got married, we've had, we have three sons and three incredible daughter-in-laws, uh, 13 grandchildren and uh, four great-grandchildren. But um, but my wife, she would really have nothing really to write about if she didn't marry me. And uh, kind of, a, it's something there. I mean, she, 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 by marrying me and having the three boys, she learned to pray, to cry out to God, to seek him, a dependence that few men, women ever have the experience of needing so bad. And so I look at her spiritual life and I said, you could thank me for that. You know, I mean, <laughs> being married to me, I brought one crisis after another into your life, you know. So, but anyway, it's, uh, there it is. This morning, if you would, turn with me to Joshua chapter 5. And I want to look at, uh, you know, they asked me for a title, I can't remember what I said, but, you know, it's essentially, this is Joshua overlooking Jericho, the battle of his life, and uh, he's now entered into a new phase of his experience with the Lord and the dependence upon him. And it's the secret, essentially, of, of God's secret for victory that he is teaching Joshua even more and more. It's a never-ending lesson that there is in life. But Joshua chapter 13, I'm going to pick it, pardon me, Joshua chapter 5, in verse 13 is where I want to pick it up. And it came to pass that when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him, and he said, Art thou for us, or for adversaries? And he said, Neither, but as captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come? Joshua fell on his face to the earth, and he did worship. And he said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose off thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Chapter 6, verse 1. Now Joshua, or Jericho, was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given unto thee thy, thine hand, Jericho, the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and ye shall go around the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And the seven priests shall bear the ark 
uh, of seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with a ram's horn, that when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all of the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Father, we thank you for your word. So powerful, there's nothing like it in all the world. It's your book, and uh, it's your Holy Spirit who wrote it. And it's your Holy Spirit who then likes to lift it off the pages and write it in the tablet of our heart. Some truth, some new vision, understanding of you, of the work that you want to do in every one of our lives. And so we ask that whatever is appropriate for each one of us, that your Spirit would take it this morning and would help us, strengthen us. We need it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said, here we have Joshua, you know, that uh, at a challenge in his life uh, that's uh, uh, incredible. These are never-ending uh, issues within life. We, everything that we experience of God, we, we experience it again and again and more and more into greater intensity. That's what growth is really all about. And here is Joshua, you know, he's overlooking Jericho. And uh, it's really the, the, the first great battle of his career in many ways uh, that he has before him. He'd had other battles, but nothing like this. But as we look at how this battle was fought and what was so strategic, what was so fundamental, what was so important to the Lord, that's, uh, that, that this is common to all people. Sometimes we have this tendency, we look in the Bible and, and these, they're unique people and they're unique stories and, and uh, we don't see that the application never changes. Uh, what God has to teach one of his children is common to all, that we all have these issues within our life. We all have these battles within our life. They're all different forms and all different ways, but the, but the fundamental process that God is wanting to use them for in our life never changes. And here we have as Joshua, God is about to give him this incredible battle, but the very secret of it is how did he get Jericho? How did he win? How did he go about fighting it? How did he go, <laughs> what was the strategy behind it? But the very first one that we see right before us here is that, that what God wanted in his life was greater worship, greater personal worship. He wanted a, a greater sense and a realization of his presence within his life and dependence upon him. And you know, Joshua is somebody there, and he, we already know him at this point. He was a man of great faith. Uh, you know, he and Caleb, some 40 years earlier, they were part of 12 spies that went in to spy out the land after Moses brought them out of Egypt. And uh, 10 of the 12 spies, you know the story, they came back with an evil report. They all agreed, we, it's a land of milk and honey. They came back bearing the grapes and the, the fruit of the land. And they all, oh, there's houses we didn't build, there's wells we didn't dig, there's crops we didn't grow. It's incredible in there, it's a glorious place. But there's giants in the land and we're grasshoppers before them. We go in there, we're destroyed for sure. Well, Joshua and Caleb, they agreed. Yeah, we, we all saw the same thing, but we also saw the Lord. He will give it to us, and we just need to trust him. Well, the people decided uh, they, they trusted the ten. We will die. As wonderful as it is, and exciting as it is, maybe, and as much as we truly would long for a life that, that wonderful uh, in the process, it's not for us. Uh, we'll die in the process of it. And so for 40 years, the children of Israel, they essentially kind of rotted, you might say, uh, in, in the wilderness until they all died off in unbelief. In Hebrews, it tells us, as well as in Psalms, it says, the Holy Spirit, he says unto us, harden not your heart. 
as in the day of the provocation in the wilderness when your fathers tempted me. And they proved me. They saw my works for 40 years, but they err in their heart. So I swore in my wrath, they'll not enter into my rest. Here God had so much for all of them, every one of them that he longed. He was giving it to them, but because they decided, we don't, we're afraid of it. Fear overtook them. I said, all right, then you just die in the wilderness. You'll just go around in circles all your life. And that's what they did until one after another they died off. Well, now Joshua and Caleb are now taking over. And Joshua there, you know, has this job. Now, he's a spiritual man. He was a godly man. He was a man of great faith. The Bible tells us he was filled with the Spirit and with wisdom. And God had already even made his name great at this point. He had opened up their Jordan. God had used him to do that. And the children of Israel, now they realized God's hand is upon our new leader. And so there is no question at all of Joshua's love for the Lord, of his trust. But here still he is facing the battle of his life. He's looking at an enemy that just didn't pop out of nowhere. Just, oh, no, where did this come from? No, he'd been thinking and dwelling on this for 40 years. He was looking forward to this. He was, he was excited, and now there it is right in front of him. It's finally happening. And yet, with all of that, you know, preparation in your mind and your heart you can have, still there's a, there's a struggle going on. You see, things have changed. In one hand, they changed a bit, but in another hand, they, didn't, they, they changed in a great way. Because now the, the weight of the people, the weight of the nation is, is now fully upon Joshua's shoulders. Their lives, their homes, their marriages, their family, their children, their futures. You know, Moses had led them before through all of these times, and, but Moses is dead. And now Joshua is no longer just simply a friend and a counselor and an encourager there, uh, you know, of Moses. But now uh, all the responsibility has been shifted over to Joshua. It's on him. And now he's got to lead them through this. So on one hand, the task really hadn't changed. But what had changed, though, was the perspective has changed. Now it's something that's entirely kind of different. You know, the, the Lord who was so easy to trust and before you might and encourage others, encourage Moses, and to go about doing the things that he had called, been called to do and so easily to do. But now, somehow or another, the Lord's obscured. The Lord's right there, but he doesn't recognize him. The Lord he knew so well, but now the pressures that somehow or another, you know, d d diminished him. And with the intensity of the responsibilities, couldn't see him so well. And that's, this is very common. This happens, I think, repeatedly to, to us in our process of spiritual life and of growing in the Lord. It's just, it's, it, it's happens, you know, it, it, we all can remember life at a time when things were much simpler for us. It kind of, we can have a simple love and a simple trust almost for the Lord compared to, to as times and issues and circumstances change within our life. And as we grow and as we mature, God has a way that he wants the difficulties and allows the difficulties and the pressures to grow with it. But in that process, sometimes the Lord, he so easily gets pushed out. He so easily there gets, uh, it's, uh, it gets, we get disoriented from him. And the point is very simple. Moses is, is dead. And now you've got to decide there are things that you have been parroting. You've been agreeing on. You've been rubber stamping for 40 years. Now, all of a sudden, do I really truly believe these things? Now that the pressure is on me. And Moses said it. You subscribe to it. You know, right along with it. But, uh, and, and he had been quite good at it. He was a great spy. He, 40 years earlier, he and Joshua, or he and Caleb, they, they had great faith. They were wonderful guys. 
When Amalek came, we're told in Exodus 17 that Amalek came and fought with Israel, the other nation. And here Moses tells Joshua, he says, I want you to take the forces out. The army, you're going to go fight them tomorrow. Aaron and her and I, we will go up on the mountain of God with the rod of God in my hand. But the Bible tells us that when Moses held the rod of God high, Israel prevailed. But when the rod of God was down, Amalek prevailed. And so even though Joshua, perhaps no matter how well he dispatched the forces, no matter how, what a great strategy may have had, if, if Moses wasn't up on the mountain with the rod of God high, you, you fail. But on the other hand, almost no matter how much he might have stumbled over things or not had the greatest of strategies, if the rod of God was high, he prevailed. And so he was a great warrior and he was a great servant to Moses. But at the same time, now he's, things have shifted. Things have changed. And what was once so simple is now no longer quite so simple. Very simply, what was once enough of God is no longer enough. That's how it is in life. You know, the, the burdens grow, but also as the burdens grow, the power and the presence and the reality of the Lord has to grow with it. That's what spiritual maturity and spiritual growth is all about in life. Nothing ever really changes in one sense, but it's always changing in another. That's where growth happens. When our dependence upon him is increasing, 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 increasing all the way, you know, through our life. You know, sometimes their life, as I said, it could be when most of us, can you remember, if you're married and have family and other things going on, when you're just by yourself, it's, life is rather simple, it's, you know, in, in one sense. But then you add a wife or a husband, you get some children, you got a, you know, business trying to get going or partners, or you got a mortgage, you know, and you got some employees or employee, the people you work around. And, uh, and now you've got, instead of just your life, now you're responsible to lead them all into the land that you once just so simply spied out kind of for yourself. The pressure multiplies. Things get go difficult. I grew up in Southern California and, uh, you know, was a surfer like all, like many others there at the time. And you get a phone call. Somebody say, Hey, they surf's up. You want to go? And a few minutes later, your board's on the car. Off you go. You go surfing. It's just, yeah, it's just simple. Well, then you get married. You know, then, then you, you got some kids. You've got a rent to pay. You've got yard work to do. You've got all these other things going on. Somebody calls, hey, surf's up. You want to go? Yeah, when? Well, now. <laughs> you mean like today? Now? Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> I haven't even started the paperwork. I've got requisition forms to fill out. I've got permits to get from, you know, from the wife. I've got to see if she'll rent me the car and let me out of mowing the lawn today and, and you know, or whatever else. All of a sudden, you just, <laughs> things get much more complicated. <laughs> I'll, I'll be ready in two weeks, maybe, you know, or something. I mean, it just changes. All of life is like that. And, and sometimes, you know, when we're young and simple and by ourselves, there's, the, there's simple prayers, simple spiritual life, simple dependence upon the Lord, a simple faith that's just enough kind of for ourselves. But as life grows, the scrutiny grows, the intensity grows. We used to be able to go to bed and almost, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. And this I pray my soul to keep, and if I die before I wake, this I pray my soul to, to take. And it's, you know, it's quite simple. It's quite kind of wonderful, and it works. But then, you, then you, you, you know, you grow, you add a wife, a husband, some children, business, at a job or the loss of a job or upside down on a mortgage, you got financial repression, you know, pressures going on, a slug of all other dimensions, you know, things could throw in a pandemic, you know, and the world in chaos and stuff. And, and the prayer actually sometimes can get much more simple. It's just now I lay me down to sleep, this I pray my soul to take, like now, <laughs> you know, I'm ready. <laughs> 
you know, yeah, I can't take this anymore. This is, you know, something. And, and you find yourself so easily looking at the problems and they outweigh the presence of the Lord. It's just that simple. You know, what was, you know, this is what's happening to Joshua. This is what he's going through. It, it happens to everybody. That's what spiritual growth, everybody goes through this. There's nothing unique about him. Nothing unique about what is going on in here. And somebody there that was once enough, he now needs more. Joshua, you know, he'd been there. He knew God's power. He knew his presence. But now all of a sudden here he is before Jericho. And the night before, perhaps, as he's looking there trying to get a strategy, how are we going to take that city? How are we, we're not warriors. We're, we've been slaves and we're shepherds. And now the real, real battle of all of us there being thrown into this. And there he's looking at it and maybe just, you know, the weight of all of it seems to be, you know, overcoming almost to him. And all of a sudden there's the Lord. <laughs> he's right there. He's got his sword drawn in his hand. He's been ready for this for 40 years. He wanted it 40 years earlier. The children of Israel said, no, now. The Lord, I think, is as excited about it as could be. I'm ready. Sword's drawn. We're going to go take it. And instead of Joshua just, all right, where you been? You know, no. He's startled. He jumps back. What's going on? And now all of a sudden, one that had always he could trust and love, knew his power, and he'd been a companion, and he'd been a friend. Now somehow or another, the Lord's part of the problem. The Lord is there. I mean, and he jumps back. He turns and he looks at it. He's ready to fight him, maybe. Art thou for us? Or for adversary? You know, here he is, he's worried, under the pressure, and he's distracted. Somebody that he should have recognized so well, that he knew so well in all the previous times. You know, have you ever noticed when you get under stress, you get under pressure there? I mean, it's almost like everybody is either for you or against you. Are you for us or adversaries? Whose side do you want? Don't bother me. I haven't got time for anything. I'll just, are you going to help me with this thing? If you can't help, just get out of the way. How we can be so easily. And here, Joshua, that's essentially what he's doing. Are you, are you, he doesn't even realize he's standing before the Lord himself. Theophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. And you just got to love his response. You know the Lord, he's just, okay, we're ready for another step in growth in your life. This, Joshua, Jericho has nothing to do with this. This was the Lord dealing and taking Joshua where he wanted to take him. A place he had to go. He'd never been this way before. This was a new thing. A new depth that was to go on within his life. But here I can just see him smiling there with the sword. In his response, he's only, are you for us or our adversaries? He said, oh, neither, neither. He's almost with a smile. He says, but as captain of the, host, of the Lord's host, am I now come? See, Joshua, I just happen to be commander-in-chief of all the angelic powers of, of heaven and earth. Joshua, the issue isn't am I for you or against you. Joshua... The issue is, are you with me? That's what's going to determine all your battles in life. All of it, all the way through. Every one trial after another, one struggle after another. They all, they're always changing. There's always another city. There's always another territory. There's always some other issue in our finances or our marriage or our children or, you know, something going on in the world that, that, that hits us in a new way. But it's always the same Jesus that we stand before. And it's always the same answer where now, as, you know, as he turns and he realizes, it probably somewhat embarrassed, falls on his face, turns there to him, and, you know, and, you know what saith thy, my Lord does to me, your servant? And he says, well, take off your shoe. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Very simple. 
Here Joshua stood before the one who's going to determine the success and the failure of all of life's battles, all the things. He's always been there, always there for, you know, for him before, but now a new dimension, a new struggle. And he says, here's where you're going to win or lose. Right here. That had nothing to do you know, with, with Jericho. And Joshua, he had, you know, again, this incredible you know, love for the Lord. But here Joshua is saying, I want more love. I want more adoration. I want more of your heart. I want more praise. It's always an unending sort of a thing. It never, ever ends. Because we've never offered everything of our life to him. We've never sacrificed everything. Even John the Baptist, when, you know, he turned and thinking of the Lord, he said, well, he must increase. Literally, he must go on increasing. I must go on decreasing. There's always, even in the most spiritual of people, more territory in their own heart to be sacrificed, to be offered, to be laid up to God. And that's what worship, by the way, is really all about. It's always a place of sacrifice. In the Old Testament, you know, they would, and the, we all know the story, I'm sure, of Abraham with, it, with Isaac. And here, you know, God had given Abraham this wonderful, miraculous son, Isaac, there. And here, as Isaac had grown up, after many years, I mean, Abraham had grown and grown, and there was always new tests, and he, and he would build a new altar, get right with God when he had failed or there were struggles, and move on continuously growing, continuously maturing. But then the day comes where the Lord comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, and he says, yes. And he said, I have something I want to ask of you. And I would imagine, you know, well, what is it? Anything, Lord, probably. Don't know the exact conversation. We know the gist of it. But the Lord said, I want you to take now thine son, thine only son whom thou lovest. And I want you to offer him as a sacrifice unto me in a place that I will show thee thereof. And Abraham said yes. He takes Isaac and they go off to Moriah, now known as Calvary. But there he takes him there where the great father offered his son. But now our forefather was now offering his son. And now he takes Isaac and he's heading up there to the place there. And, and as they're on the way up, Isaac turns to his father. And he says, my father? And he says, yes, my son. And he said to him, he says, well, we have the fire and we have the wood. Where is the sacrifice? And here, one of the things they always knew, when you, you, in the Old Testament, they would build an altar, and it would be the simplest thing. Not sometimes nothing more than a few stones stacked upon one another. Simple as it may be, but there, they would go and they would you know, build a little fire. They had the fire to get some wood, and then something was offered. It may be the simplest thing, but something there was sacrificed. Maybe the simplest of an animal, the simplest of a lamb, the simplest of whatever it is. But any time worship happened, it required not just fire and wood, but there was something that had to die. Something there was laid up. Something there was burned you know, to a crisp. And that's, that's what worship has always been. You know, we come and we have our worship services, and sometimes, you know, I, I wonder, you know, we, sometimes we've got a world today where, you know, the band can be phenomenal. They can have strobe lights going around, smoke machines, and all sorts of other things. And it's, I mean, it's something, you know, that's incredible, you know, unbelievable talent maybe, and everything going on. And people say, wow, were we ever cooking today, you know, or something sort of a thing. But I wonder how many times the Lord would say, well, I see the fire, I see the wood. Where's the sacrifice? Nothing died. Nothing's been offered. That's the continuous thing God wants within our life. We want to come and sing, and we can tilt our head and close our eyes and lift our hands. But I think the Lord says, well, I want something more of you. 
You give me, because like John the Baptist said, he must increase. I must decrease. If I truly want more and more of him, then that means there's got to be less and less of me so he can fill that void. That's the unending process of spiritual life. That's where it is. And so here he says, you know, to him, he said, you know, I want you to lose your shoe off your foot. Place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. But then we're told after he does this in chapter 6, verse 2, then the Lord points over and he turns there to, you know, to looks at Jericho. And he said, see, I have given unto thee, Jericho, the king thereof, the mighty men of valor. Looks there at Joshua. He said, Joshua, Jericho is a gift. It's not earned. You're not going to fight for Jericho. That's not the battleground that's going on here. That's not what it's all about. It's a gift. It's a gift for worship. It's a gift for your trust and your love for me. I'll fight it. I'll take care of that. It's no problem to me. <laughs> I spoke the world into existence. This is going to be fun. I've been looking forward to it like you for 40 years. <laughs> you know, so now we're about to do it. But he said, I'm going to give you that, which, 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 which you saw something of. Now it's going to happen. You see, the thing in the, in the Christian life is it's the same as all of life. As people, you know, it's always a, a growing thing. You know, I grew up playing some sports, and I was mediocre. But I had some of my friends that were really great at it. And, you know, they got college scholarships to go and play, you know, baseball or to play football or something. I was eliminated. <laughs> we don't need you. You know, and, but then some of them went on to college. And they were, you know, two good friends. One of them, you know, they, they played in the Rose Bowl. Won the Rose Bowl, he was the captain of the UCLA team that they won. Another one, you know, uh, went to USC and competing schools down there. Both of them actually got drafted, one of them by the 49ers, the other by the Rams, neither one of which made it through training camp. But it's like each time somebody grows and grows and does a little better. It's an unending thing. And it does the same thing in all the world. You look at an athlete, you look at a businessman, somebody maybe goes in and they, the challenges and they work and work and they continue growing and they continue to rise. Well, so off spiritually. When somebody in their life, they realize, God, I've not, I've not arrived. I, I, I don't want to level off I, I, at all. I want to continue to grow within it. Well, that's what worship is all about. Because never, we won't grow without there being less of ourselves and more of him. It's unending. But secondly, it's not only there. That, that is as important and critical as that is. It's not the only aspect. It's the only thing, that, it's not the only thing that has to happen to really truly gain the victory. We're told there as well uh, in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 3. The Lord tells him, I not only want you to worship me with your whole heart, Joshua. I want you to obey me. Very clearly, very simply, I'm going to give you very specific commands that you're going to do if you want Jericho. Chapter 6, verse 3, he says to him, And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go around the city once. And thus shall thou do six days. And the seven priests shall bear the ark uh, of seven trumpets of the ram's horns in the seventh day. And ye shall compass the city seven times. And the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, that when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city shall fall down flat. And the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Seven times the Lord looks at it very clearly. You shall, you shall, you shall, you shall, you shall, you shall, you shall. You will do exactly what I tell you to do. You want Jericho, I want it for you. You want a great victory, I want it for you. 
But I want you to put one foot in front of another just as I tell you to do, and you'll have it. Not only I want your worship, I want your obedience. I want you to do the, the simple things in one sense, and yet incredibly difficult things sometimes to do in another sense. But I want complete obedience to my revealed word to you. And, uh, you know, that's sometimes, you know, the interesting thing about us, we can be great worshipers. You ever notice sometimes we can go to church and we can just have this wonderful experience. The worship is great. The word speaks to, oh, it's always so good we're together. Lord, I needed that. It's just so powerful. It blessed me, strengthened me. Uh, and, and yet at the same time, you know, we can walk right out, get in our car, and anything the Lord spoke to us that he may want us to do, it's gone. There should always be, each time we should be somebody that's coming to church just like a student going to school or somebody that's going to a staff meeting at their office. The boss just doesn't come in here, have some coffee and donuts. We're going to tell some jokes and go home. No. They come in, you're going to learn something, and you're going to be tested on it. If it's school or the boss says, here, I want, here's what I want the sales department to work on. Here's something there I want the requisition department or the delivery or whatever. And each one, they come to the meeting and they walk out something that they shall do. They want to keep their job. They want to keep growing in the business. Same thing with the Lord. We should be one, not just to come and say, oh, it's so good. I needed that. But, the, but to look there and say, Lord, what shall I do? What do you have? To, what marching orders is there? So what is it that you would want to say to me that if I do it, there will be a blessing in my life? It may be the simplest thing, and yet it could be the most difficult in one sense, humanly. Like, for example, the Lord may say to you, you know, I want you to tell your wife how much you love her. Ah, oh, the woman knows it. I've told her that when I got married. If anything changes, I told her I'll let her know. You know, so, no, I want you to tell her. I want you to tell your child this. I want you to tell your husband this. I want you to do this. I want you to share with your neighbor. I want you something there. You shall do this. You'll be blessed, and they will. Some of you will be transformed by it if you will do what it is. And sometimes we're great worshipers, but we're not great obeyers. But the secret so much in the Christian life is, is doing both. Learning there, you know, with an expectation, tell me something, Lord. Like the old hymn, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. The old, you know, and then you know, add there to us. And obviously, you know, what the word says as well. Speak, I'm listening. Tell me something. I'm not just here to be in awe of you and so grateful I have you in my life, but there to have you speak to me some truth, something that was strength. And that's always the secret. Moses was a great worshiper, but he was great in obedience too. But he also knew disobedience, and when he smote the rock, when God told him not to, he told him to speak to the rock, he paid a high price, disobedience. David knew great obedience, but when he could be disobedient, you know, and, and, and with uh, Bathsheba or something, there's a great price. But there is great victory. He gave him Goliath. He gave him the Philistines, Hittites, Hittites, Jebusites. When he obeyed, his, his, the, the borders increased. Blessing happened. The nation found rest. But there when somebody is great at learning obedience and worship, you put those things together. And here so often it's very specific. God just didn't say, here, I, I want you to do the gist of what I'm saying. Just kind of take a shot, you know, or you interpret it however you might need to interpret it to your own application. No. He gives him very specific things. You know, the, the, the essence of, of, of salvation is obedience. Paul says that you obeyed that form of doctrine that was delivered to you. You're a Christian because you were obeyed. You obeyed God. 
said you must be saved. You must receive the Lord Jesus. If you're here and you're a Christian, you, you, you became a Christian by obedience, but you grow on that way. And, and, and to obey is even better than sacrificing. Because it's even better there. God says, if you have a great time of worship, but if you just walk out and you just get one thing that I want to be obedient in, I want to do it. God says that's better. That's greater than, your, you know, than the tear that came into your eye. It's better than just simply the peace that had, it was in your soul for a moment because you'll lose the, seed, the peace if you don't obey, if you don't know what it is. And when we look there, what do you have for me? And the Lord there, it's interesting, now he turns to him. Now when you look at what he told him to do, it was hard. It was difficult. He says, I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant, and you're going to have seven priests behind it, and they're going to bear this thing. And then as they go behind, you know, they're, they're going to march right around the walls of Jericho. And all the men, all your warriors, your entire army is going to march and step right behind them. You shall do this. And here, you know, Joshua, and he's a military man. They're becoming a military people. They're going to be in a lot of wars. But here, you know, you, you, even, you don't have to even be a great military mind to realize that's crazy. That's insane. I mean, here Jericho, they say that the walls of Jericho were so mighty that up to six chariots could go around the top of it together. It was huge. There, but, only, it, it, but here, he's, they're now this, this huge city, the, the biggest battle of their life. And he says, I want you to go right next abreast to the city. I want you to march around it. And then he instructs him in chapter 6, he says, and you won't utter a word. You'll be quiet. Could you imagine that? Joshua coming to the men, all right, the priest, you take the ark. We're going to keep our eyes on the ark. We're going to follow the ark. We're going to look at it. And here, we're going to go right by the walls ab ab above us. And you could imagine. The entire army there of, of uh, going there before another army, they're right above them that wanted to destroy them, and they're sitting ducks. They're just a march. No battle, no fight, nothing. You just go, and the, the challenge there is to keep your eyes on me right in the midst in the heat of the battle. You're going to come right next to your enemy. You know, David said, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You're going to be right next to them, right there where everything in you, you know, you, you want to have your shield and walk underneath it. You're going to want to look there and just, you know, no, no, keep your eye, keep, be quiet. You're not going to look at it. Nope, not a word. Nothing. And could you imagine there the distraction, the difficulty there of keeping your eyes, keeping the focus? They're right on where God is saying, and, and, and here they're probably going through. This is crazy. We're going to die today. Masses, this is, this is absolute insanity. This is suicide. At the end of the day, they go around. They assess the damage. How many died? What happened? Nobody died. Nobody died. Wow. Incredible. Thank you, Lord. Oh, let's do it again tomorrow. No, we did it once. That's good enough. That's good enough. No, no, no. It's not good enough. You're going to do it again. And here they go around the hardest pounds again the next day. And they go around again. And here they keep, they're learning to keep their eyes. And maybe a little next day they could keep their eyes a little longer, you know, on the ark. A little bit more sense. A little greater. Still the fear. The fear still the struggle. Still the intensity of it. But at the end of the day, did anybody die? No. Nobody died. Maybe he's really with us. Maybe we're going to make it. Well, let's see. Go around it again. <laughs> we trust you. Now, no, you don't yet. You're, we're going again and again and again. 
And he said, the end of it. You're going to go around it, and he says, and then you're going to hear a trumpet blow, and at that time you're going to shout with a great shout. You're just going to let it all out, and you're going to shout. You know, I'm sure they couldn't have shouted at the end of the first day. So you get around, nobody died, you, you shout. They probably go, ah, you know, probably a whimper, not a shout. The second day, but the day after day, something is changing within them. Nothing's changing with the enemy. He's still there. All the everything, the fears are kind of there, but somehow or another, the presence of God is beginning to take over and dominate over the fears of man. And as the days go by, something happens by the end of it that they realize it is ours. Those walls where you're going to shout, and they are going to come down. They're going to fall before us. And this is the battle of all of our life. All of our, uh, it never changes. There's always a new Jericho. There's always a new battle. There's always a new thing. And incidentally, right after this, the next city was a much smaller city, much easier. They just thought, maybe we actually won it. They took their eyes kind of off the Lord, onto themselves. Well, we're great warriors. They went down to the city of Ai, and they're demolished. They turn tail and run. They come back, Lord, what happened here? And he says, oh, tells Joshua, quit your praying. Israel sinned. You took your eyes off me. Here you got one victory, and now all of a sudden the next battle comes and you're right off me. You forgot it all about it. You need to keep your eyes on me all the way through the process. And that's all the way through life. It never ends. We don't care how young, how old somebody is. There are opportunities to grow in Christ if that's really why I'm alive and that's really what I want. God says, I want it too. I want your life to grow. And I, you know, one of the, I don't know what your Jericho is today, but I believe if, if you're in God's will, you have one. You have one. They're, they're out there. It may be your, your marriage, maybe your children, maybe your health, maybe declining health, maybe the, the struggle with the political world, the, the entire world, whatever, watching chaos, literally, you know, as we're watching nations <laughs> falling apart. Something there that is so devastating to us as people. We are so used to, to living in an incredible country. This had so many blessings about it. I, I, I do a lot of traveling. I've been many times to, you know, China, India, Africa, uh, and, where there's no government. There's no stability. They don't even think about, you know, <laughs> that there's anything going to protect them and things. They don't have much to protect anyway. But, they, but we've had such an incredible thing, and to, to see something decline so rapidly and fall apart is heartbreaking. But yet it is something there, each one of us, to say, but Lord, I tell you all the time, I love you. We're, we're just, you know, less than 5% of the world's population here. But to look there and say, you know, it's, you know and personally, I'm convinced the Lord's coming soon. I'm convinced, uh, you know, I'm waiting for the rapture of the church more than ever. All the signs are there. But I also believe for 6,000 years, God has allowed man to do every form of government to try to rule over himself that he's ever could dream up. And the grace, I think, the most successful of them all, because it was so biblical, was Western democracy, our country. But, he, but I believe also, though, when the Lord comes, there won't be any nation standing. None. Everything indicates there by the There won't be one nation going, if you'd let us live a little longer, we'd have fixed the world. I'll tell you, we would have fixed it. No. And we're even watching something laid out where God is determined to take our eyes off of everything else and onto him instead of looking and looking and looking and looking and watching the struggle and the failure and the demise that we would be looking for the rise 
and the, and the ark. And here there's something that whatever it is that, 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 that's going on within all of our lives, God looks and he says, I want you to march around it. And there I want you to be the Christian worshiper and the Christian obeyer. And you watch what will happen. Because then lastly there it was something that they ended up rejoicing in faith. When they got around and again when they let out that shout, you worship in fullness to God and you walk in obedience, you've got the victory. You've got it. And there are all the angelic powers of heaven and earth are on your side. And it's something there that what God maybe looks at us, you know, he said, I want you, you know, right now, whatever it is, you know, I want you to trust me. We say, oh, I'm in church. I trust you. He said, all right. I want you to get up tomorrow morning and trust me again. I want you to march around it again. I want you to, you know, you're with your child, with your health, with whatever it is. I want you there just with all of these things right there to keep your eyes on me. I want whatever the struggle, and then again the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Whatever victory we may have today that we think we have, it's only good for today. It's got to be again tomorrow, and the next and again. It's repeated. That's what growth is all about. And then the interesting thing is one day, actually, I think you get to the place where even if the wall doesn't fall down, I don't care. I won. I learned a dependence upon Jesus of what I wanted to happen. I wanted my health better. I wanted you to, and it's not. And it's not going to get any better. One of the things, I started falling apart years ago. Yeah, I had a stroke in 96, locks the functional vision in my right eye. I've lost a lung. I had one hip replaced a little, you know, you know, a few years after that. And then the next hip was replaced. A couple years ago, I had both knees replaced. Last year, I had my shoulder. I got arthritis all over me. And I, you know, Lord, take it away. No. It's helping you depend upon me, you know, more and more. It's all, you know, there's, you, you want more of me and less of you. Well, I'm giving you less of you. What's your problem here? You know, sort of thing. You know, just rejoice in me. Depend upon me. That's what life is all about. You know, so many people, they're excited to go to heaven for the great reunion with their family and friends and loved ones. I'm just excited to get there to be reunited with my body parts, you know, sort of a thing. <laughs> New body, it's going to be so exciting. But when we say, Lord, the victory doesn't change what it's all about because it's in me. And if you want to, you know, if the walls are going to fall around on this, down on this, oh, that'd be wonderful. But if not, I don't care. That's what happens. That's what occurs. And so today, whatever your, your Jericho is, we've all got them because none of us have arrived. There's still some city to take, still some territory that the Lord wants to take and fill and bless and enrich us with because he loves us so. He wants to share his life more and more and more with us. There's never enough of him. And when we look there and say, okay, Lord, I get the memo. And, but the, the test will be, can you walk out in what he says to do today? It's between you and him. And then to get up tomorrow morning. And Lord, we're walking around it again. I'm open your word. I'll sit before you. I'm going to march around the city. And I'm going to keep my eyes on you right at the base of my biggest battles and find the victory. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Joshua and the things that he went through as an example to us. As somebody there that is now around us as a great cloud of witnesses that encourage us on. He said, I learned this lesson. We think we're going to go to heaven and say, Joshua, that was tremendous. But he would say, well, did it help you? Did it help you? And 
They said, David, you were awesome. But didn't he would say, well, did it help you? And Moses would oh, you're awesome. But did I help you? Did it change you? And Jesus, we pray today that something would change. Something of us could be offered up. Something there, Lord, would die. Something of our own will, our own struggle, our own something inside. Say, Jesus, it's not helping at all. Tell me what to do. Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. What saith my Lord to his servant? So speak to us, help us, encourage us, each and every one, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.